The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning, welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, great to have you with us today. I hope you're already having a, a, a great uh, week, great weekend, and uh, we're just glad that, uh, glad that you're here today. Uh, today, uh, we wrap up the series that we've been in for a little over a month called The Power of Words. And I hope you've enjoyed uh, this series as much as I have, and I hope you've been reminded to be a little bit more uh, careful and intentional with the words that we speak. So today, I thought since we're closing out the series, I thought it'd be kind of fun to uh, end the series with a little game. Remember... Um, Name that tune, remember that little game show? So we're going to play Name That Speech or Name That Speaker. And so we're going to play an audio clip from these speeches, famous American speeches. And so I'm going to ask you to see if you can identify either the speaker, first and foremost, or maybe any other information about that particular speech. So again, audio clip, and then you guess who's speaking. So everybody ready? You You understand? Pretty simple, okay? So... Let's play the first clip and you tell me who's speaking. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Okay, very good. Now, some of you shouted out. You don't have to shout out. Says you're not the, the first one who shouts doesn't win a prize or anything. But, so together, who was that speaking? Okay, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was actually in 1933 and it was his first inauguration address. I know some of you were here during that, and so you can, no, anyway. I know that's the first service, people. The, no, anyway, um, okay. Play, play the second one, see if you can get it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Okay, obviously, who's that? Okay, JFK, John F. Kennedy, president. This was his inauguration address. Maybe some of you might remember that, 1960. Um, Okay, here's the third famous speech. See if you can identify this one. I have a dream that my poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream. Who gave that, obviously? Right, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 1963, the March uh, on Washington. Now, this one's a little bit more recent. Uh, see if you can identify this one. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Okay. Right, uh, Ronald Reagan, President Reagan in 1987, standing in front of what? The Berlin Wall, the Berlin Wall, what was then the Berlin Wall. Now, all four of those speeches are very significant, very important in American history, but I've saved the most important one for last. See if you can identify this one. Go ahead, make my day. (laughs) Okay, Um, anybody know who that was? Yeah, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, around 1971, um, right before he shoots uh, Scorpio with his 44 Magnum. Anyway, um... So think about it. Now, with the exception, obviously, of the last clip, Dirty Harry, um, you know, what makes those speeches so special, so memorable? Why do people remember? I mean, there are phrases and, and words in those speeches that are just, you know, etched indelibly into our minds decades, decades after they were spoken. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a study conducted by the Air Force that showed that the average person, listen to this, forgets somewhere between 90 and 95% of what they hear 
within 72 hours of having heard it. Wow. So see, husbands, you have an excuse right there. There it is. No. But uh, actually, that, I mean, so that means by Wednesday, you are only going to remember about 5% of what you hear today, right now. I mean, that's depressing for public speakers. That makes me feel terrible when I think about it. But by the way, hey, by the way, that's why we include in your uh, outline or in your bulletin, your outline, so that you can take notes. That's not just for you to doodle and draw little pictures or, you know, write out your grocery list for today. See, I, can't, I caught you. Some of you are doing that right now. Um, or, you know, why we have a, you know, a screen with the words. I mean, we're doing all of that so that not only will you hear it, but you'll see it, you'll write it down, so you'll be a little bit more likely uh, to remember it. But even though we forget a lot of what we hear, there are some words that have been spoken in each of our lives that we remember, that we never forget, that have, have had an impact on our lives uh, long after they were spoken. And for a moment, I want you as an individual just to think for a moment about the words that were spoken in your life, in your past, that really lasted. I mean, really made an impact. You know, who said them? When were they said to you? Was it just recently? Was it decades ago? What was said? You know, was it, was it from a teacher a parent, a good friend, somebody maybe who just needed to speak some truth in your life and they did in a loving way? Was it some encouragement? Maybe it was the person who first used their words to introduce you to Jesus. Well, speaking of Jesus, no one ever walked this earth who spoke with as much power and authority and conviction and whose words have impacted all of humanity as dramatically as the words of Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 7, it says this, after Jesus finished teaching, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. But listen, it wasn't just when he spoke to the crowds, you know, the masses. Man, it was also when he was, you know, just one-on-one -on -one talking to a friend, talking to people. In fact, here's an example in Luke uh, 24, 32. It says, didn't our hearts grow strangely warm as he what? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. You see, Jesus made every word count and every word mattered. That's really one of the things that I hope that you take with you of, of, in this whole series. That the truth is our words matter. You know, our words count. And so here's the question that I'm asking today. How can we do a better job of making our words count? You know, how could we use our words to impact the people around us, maybe even for all of eternity? How can we make our words last? Well, I want to give you five ways to do that today. Five ways that I think that if we were to use our words this way, it could really make our words have an impact and even change people's eternity. Okay, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, my words change eternity when I use them to encourage someone who is struggling. When I use them to encourage people who are struggling. You know, one of the best ways that you could use your words every day, day in, day out, is that you could speak encouragement to the people that are around you who are going through a difficult time, who are hurting, who are struggling. 
You know, think about it. When FDR spoke those words, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. It was during his inauguration in 1933, and the country was in the depths of, of the what? The Great Depression. And, I mean, literally, there were people in our country who did not know if they were going to make it. I mean, there were families, thousands and thousands of families who were worried whether or not they're going to be able to keep their family together. And so here's FDR, and he's speaking these words, these powerful words of encouragement. And he says, you know, don't be afraid. Listen, we're going to make it. The only thing we have to be afraid of is fear itself, and, and we're going to see it through this. And then what's interesting is following that address, he instituted what became uh, really kind of a presidential tradition. Uh, he, he called them his fireside chats where he would talk with the American people uh, regularly through the radio and encourage them all the way through the Great Depression, but not just during the Great Depression, also through World War II. Now, in the same way, what I'm saying today is that your words, our words, have the potential to change a person's reality when we encourage them, when we infuse courage into their life, when they're going through a difficult time, when they're struggling. Now, obviously, we're not going to have the same you know, platform, you know, be able to speak to an entire nation like FDR, but there are people in your life every day, people that you go to school with, people that you work with, people in your family, and they're hurting. They're struggling. And they don't need criticism. They need somebody to speak courage into their life. They need someone to give them hope. You know, look at Romans 1.12. It says, I am eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In this same way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. This week, here's your challenge. Go out of your way to speak encouragement to people in your life that are struggling especially the people that you already know, people you work with, people you go to school with that, that you know are having a difficult time. Listen, just that, that word of encouragement, that word of hope, you're gonna make it through this. I'm gonna be with you. We're gonna see this through together. You can do it. Like, it literally has the potential to change somebody's eternity, has their, their, the trajectory of their, of their life, their family, everything. Number two. My words can last, they can change eternity when I confront someone who is being unjust. When I confront injustices. Uh, you know, think about it. Why, why is it that Dr. Uh, King, uh, his I have a dream speech, why is it so memorable? Why do his words, why are his words just seared in the conscience of the American people and, and, and the memory of people all over the world? Well, I think part of it was because he had the courage to take a stand and to speak out against an injustice, the injustice of racism in the United States and to give hope to people all over the world who are fa facing oppression. You know, and, and go back to 1987 when, when Ronald Reagan stood at the Berlin Wall and he said, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I mean, kind of simple words by and large, nothing really special in and of themselves, but they were remarkable because he was standing in front of the Berlin Wall where on the other side there were literally millions of people yearning for freedom under the oppression of a, of a dictatorship, of a regime that was oppressive. And here he was using his words to take a stand and to confront an injustice. Now again, we might not have the platform of, of a Dr. King or a President Reagan where we're going to speak to millions of people, but 
you can speak out when you see injustice. In fact, my understanding of the Bible is that that's what followers of Jesus are supposed to do. You know, we all know the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Well, verse 6 says, love is never glad about injustice. It rejoices in the truth. And so, if the love of God is actually in you and you're a follower of Jesus, man, you, it doesn't sit well with you when you see oppression, when you see hardship. You know, we, we got to do something. You can't sit on your hands and do nothing. When the Holy Spirit of God brings that to it, your attention, I know you might be thinking, well, man, Pastor Chris, I can't, I can't do anything about those big injustices of the world. But you know what? You can speak up when you see someone being taken advantage of. You've got to do something. And when you see that, when, when, you're, when you're moved that way, I believe that's the Holy Spirit of God prompting you to get involved, to speak out about it, and to do something. And you could change someone's life that way. Number three, my words can change eternity when I use them to express love to the people I care about. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentionally, purposefully, in meaningful ways, using your words to let the people in your life know that you love them. Now, that sounds simple, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds pretty easy, but here's the truth. We don't do a very good job of that for the most time, you know, for the most part. Most of the time, you know what we do? The people that we say we care about and we love about the most, those are the people we usually say our most hurtful words for, our most damaging speech toward. Uh, a University of Denver study looked at married couples during the first 10 years of marriage, okay? So the first decade of being married, and they made a very interesting, important discovery, among couples who ended up having a successful marriage, who ended up staying together for the long haul, this is what they found out. They found out that five or less out of every 100 comments made were negative. Only five or less of 100, negative put-downs, negative words, those kinds of things. But among couples who ended up splitting up, more than double, at least 10 or more out of every 100 words twice as much of their comments toward each other were negative or insults. And then over the second decade of marriage, they found that couples heading for divorce were flinging five times as many cruel and belittling comments toward each other. So the, couple, the, the study, study concluded this. This is what they said. Hostile put-downs act as cancerous cells that if unchecked, erode a relationship over time. In the end, you know, this relentless, unremitting negativity, it takes a toll. And those couples can't get through a week without having a major blow-up. I mean, that should be, man, that's sobering to think about. What, what, a, what a sobering thought that the, the single most reliable predictor of whether a marriage is going to be a success or a failure is not romantic attraction. It's not what we have in common. It's the words that you use. It's the words that you speak. It's, it's using your words for the most part, by and large. You know, to speak love toward one another. To speak blessing toward one another. Listen, stop. 
Stop speaking death to the people that you say you care the most about. Listen, I, I'm, I've been a pastor at this church for 26 years, and I've, I've been at more gravesides than I can count, and I've performed more funeral services than I can count. And I'll tell you, to a person, they always end up saying this. I wish I had another opportunity to tell this person I love them. You know, you, you just don't know. You know, listen to me. You were not put on this earth to point out the faults of other people in your life. In fact, let me ask you this question. Think about the people in your life that you, that you care the most about, that you really love. Okay, you ready for this? What were the last words that you spoke to them today? I mean, because, you know, no one in this room is guaranteed your next breath. You walk out of here today, something tragic could happen. You could drop dead of a heart attack. You get hit by a car. Welcome to Coastal. Now, that sounds pretty depressing. I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it could happen. So let me ask you this. What were the last words that you spoke to the people you care the most about? Did you tell them you loved them? You know, before your loved ones went to bed last night, what did you say? Did you tell them how much they mean to you? Or is there going to be regret? Now listen, I understand words are not enough, but words are important. Sure, you've got to back it up with actions. In fact, 1 John 3.18 says that. It says, dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let's really show it by our actions. So it's not, you know, it's, again, it's not either or. It's both and. It, your, your words are important. Obviously, you've got to back it up by with what, you, what, you know, what you do and how you behave. Sure. But you've got to say it. So let's do both. Let's say it and show it. Let's show our love and, and use our words. Be very intentional to the people that we say we care the most about. So again, look at your outline. Your words can change eternity. Your words can last, make an impact when you use them to encourage the people in your life, the people that you know who are struggling, who are having a difficult time. When you confront those who are being taken advantage of, when you confront and speak out against oppression. And then thirdly, when you express love to people. Number four, my words can change eternity when I use them to introduce people to Jesus. I really believe the most important, impactful words you could ever speak to another human being are the words that you use that help to introduce them to Jesus. You know, there are no more powerful words on this planet. There are no other words that were going to have a greater eternal impact than those words that you could speak because it can change the eternal destination of another human being. Whether or not they're going to spend all of eternity. Listen, this life that you and I live here and now, think about it this way. It is nothing. I don't care how long you live. 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years, it is still only, as the Bible says, a, a mist that you breathe that's here for a moment and then gone. Your life is nothing more than a little grain of sand on the beach of eternity. That's it. But you get to change somebody's eternity when you speak life to them. When you introduce them to Jesus. Now, so how do you do that, Pastor Chris? You know, man, you know, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Or I don't know all the 
theological you know, points to, to, to go through with somebody. So, so what's the best way that you and I just very easily, very simply could use our words to introduce somebody to Jesus? Let me give you two ways, okay? Number one, the first one is to share your own personal story. I really think, I believe this, that that's the most powerful, effective way that you and I have every day practically to, to introduce people to Jesus, to share your story of faith. Now, you might ask, well, Pastor Chris, what, I mean, why? Come on. Why my story? What, what, what is my, you know, my story's not very powerful. What, what, how could my story have a, a lasting, eternal effect on people? Well, the answer is the people who know you, they're interested in your story. They can relate to it. Because I guarantee you, listen, there are people in your life every day, you know, the people you work with, go to school with, family, friends. You know, if you bring up church, sometimes they don't give a flying flip. You know, they don't care. They're not interested. You talk about religion. I mean, it's the old, you know, we don't want to talk about religion or taxes, you know, politics, all that kind of stuff, whatever. You know, they're not interested. But you know what? They care about you. They're interested in your story. Here's the other thing. You ready? They really can't disagree with your story. I mean, they might be able to debate and argue theology and different opinions and beliefs and all that kind of stuff, but it's your personal story. You know, they, they, can't, they can't disagree with your story. They can't deny that you personally have experienced something. They can't deny that there's actually been change in, in your life. They see it. So, how do you tell your story? How do you do that? Let me give you a just a really simple explanation of, of how do you tell your story. First of all, do me a favor. Everybody do this. Take out your bulletin, our little shiny new bulletin uh, shell that we use, and turn it over to the back. On the back, you see the big smiling picture of whom? Who is that? Pastor Chris. I got a face for radio, don't I? I mean, it just, you know, look at that. Wow, okay. Anybody got any Photoshop skills? I need some help. But anyway, but listen, uh, here's, the, here's my point. A lot of you, uh, you know, very lovingly and encouragingly have, have noticed and have looked at my picture on the back of the bulletin and have told me we need to do what? Need to get a new picture, right? Because I've, I've lost some weight. In fact, it'd be really cool so that we have like a before and after picture, you know, like skinny Pastor Chris, fat Pastor Chris, you know, and, and uh, that would be a great advertisement for Bod for God, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, a before and after picture, right? Now, here's my point. Everybody in this room, you all have a before and after picture. That's your story. A before and after story. Very simple. Here's my life before I met Jesus. This is what was important to me. This is how I lived my life. This is my, you know, the difficulty. This is my journey, whatever. Before Jesus, okay? This is how I came to faith. This is how I became a Christian. This is the circumstances, you know, what happened. And this is my life after Christ. That's your story. You know, again, really simple as I think about it. This is my life before Jesus. This is how I became a Christian. And this is my life since. Because there are people in your life, listen to me, who are going to ask. I mean, if you're loving people and loving God, you're praying, you're living your faith, you're, you know, you're praying for other people, there are going to be people who eventually will say or ask, hey, why are, you, why are you a Christian? Why do you say you follow Jesus? Like, you know, why do you go to church? Man, on Sunday morning, 
Why do you get up early and, and go to church? Why do you serve? Why are you in a life group? Why do you do that? Why do you pray? They're going to want to know. And I'm telling you, the best answer is not always some long theological, you know, uh, answer and, and, and Bible verses. And all. I mean, for the most part, they don't even know or care. But they will listen if you say, well, you know what? This was my life before Jesus. This is how I became a Christian. And let me tell you what a difference he's made in my life. Let me tell you what a difference my life group, my small group has made in my life. Let me tell you what a difference living in a community of believers has, has made. That's your before and after picture. That's your story. And everybody's got one. So I want to give you some homework this week. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody, write out your own story in 100 words or less. If you've never done that before, you ought to do that. In fact, we even provide a, a little book for you for free out there in the Welcome Center called The Difference Maker. Man, it'll really go into great detail about how to share your story, how to share your faith, how to introduce people to Jesus. But here's a really great thing to try to do. Write down your story, 100 words or less. Again, not page after page after page. You ought to be able to sit down, you know, the old business saying or the leadership thing, you ought to be able to share your vision, share your story, and a ride on the elevator. You know, on a napkin. You know, over a cup of coffee with a friend. Here's my story. Now, another way to uh, use your words to introduce people to Jesus and change someone's eternity, number two, the second way there, is to invite them to come to church with you. I mean, just invite somebody as your own personal guest to come to church. That is one of the most, that is one of the easiest, most simple ways, and yet the most, one of the most meaningful ways to invite someone to come to church. Listen to me for a second. I was I was dead in my sin. I was a lost individual. My, you know, I was uh, being raised by my mom, single parent home. My dad was dead. I was angry at the world, angry at everyone. And a friend invited me to church. That's how it all started. That's how it all, all began with me. Changed my life forever. Listen, we are all here today because somebody invited me to church. That's what started this whole thing. You will be surprised at how many people would simply say yes to your personal invitation to come to church with you. Now, if you invite and bring somebody to church, here's the promise we make to you. We promise that as a church, we are gonna do our very, very best to make your friends, your family, your coworkers, to make them feel welcome, and comfortable here at Coastal Community Church. In fact, together, we're all supposed to do that together, not just my job, not just everybody's job, they're on the First Impressions team. It's, if you're a part of Coastal, we're gonna try to do that together. And then, well, I'll go a step further. I promise that if you bring your friends here, I'm gonna do my very best to present the Word of God in such a way that they can understand it and apply it to their lives. And I promise you, each and every week, we will point people to Jesus. We will point people to Jesus. That's what people are looking for. He's the hope of the world. Now, in just a couple of weeks, we got a great opportunity for you to do exactly that, to invite and bring your friends. Now, we say every Sunday is the Super Bowl. Every Sunday is important. And invite and bring your friends all the time. But there are several Sundays throughout the year, many Sundays, where it's a big day, a special event, something's going on, where we say, okay, come on now. Pull out all the stops. Get your friends here. So in a couple of weeks, June the 5th, 
Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series here at Coastal. If you're new to Coastal, it's a little new to you, but if you've been a part of Coastal, you know it's really could become kind of a, a summer uh, tradition as far as our summer teaching series. Uh, it's called At the Movies. At the Movies. It's where we use uh, current uh, popular movies that people are seeing, that they're talking about, and we use them as a hook to talk about spiritual truth. Now, I know last year we went a little bit different direction, and I used like five or six of my favorite movies. Uh, they weren't necessarily like current movies, but they were my all-time favorite movies. And I know I got some pushback that they weren't very, there, there were no chick flicks, you know. Rocky is still a love story. I don't care what you say. Jaws, come on, there's a love story there, you know, the fish. Anyway, um, but uh, so I don't, we, I might throw a chick flick in this year. But anyway, here's, here's the point. The reality is, and people today in 2016, they get a lot, a, a lot of what they believe about life, about spirituality, even about God by the movies they watch and the music they listen to. Now, I'm not saying they get it right, but I don't think they do get it right. I think they get it wrong. But I don't think it's the church's job necessarily to condemn culture or even imitate culture. Those are two extremes. Why not, like Jesus, engage the culture? Why not tackle it head on and talk about it? Why not bring up the very things that they're talking about and watching and listening to and then say, hey, what does the Bible say about that? And let's talk about it. Now, we, we go above and beyond and kind of make it even a lot of fun here at Coastal during the series when we, uh, you're going to come in here on that day and, oh, man, whoo, it's going to smell like fresh popcorn. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be so hungry for popcorn. We're going to give away popcorn. Uh, we're going to give away stuff and movies and tickets. In fact, uh, all of your friends, any friends that you invite, uh, you know how we say, hey, fill out a Connect card because we're going to send you, if you're a guest with us today, we're going to send you a, a little thank you from our church. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what, what really happens. Not only do we send you a, a handwritten note, a thank you from us, we also give you a gift. We give you like a little $5 gift card to like Chick-fil-A or Starbucks or something like that. But during the summer and during at the movies, we send everybody a free movie ticket. Now, here's what we're going to do as well. If you bring a friend, if your friend comes, you come up to me, introduce them, or you bring a friend, you come up to me, I'm going to personally give you a movie ticket too. Now, why do we do all that? I mean, it, we, listen, we don't do all of that as a stunt or just to bribe people to get them to come to church. The reason we do that, honestly, is to make it as easy as possible for you to invite your friends. Because maybe, just maybe, it changes their eternity. And they meet God face to face. And they see Jesus lifted up. You know, look what the Apostle Paul writes wrote in Acts chapter 20, it says this. He says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Now, what exactly was that work that brought value and meaning to his life? He says, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Man, that's our job. That's our mission. We say at Coastal, we exist to share and experience the life of Jesus. Life is only found in him. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead in your sin. You're either under the cursing of God or the blessing of God. And so our job is to as passionately, creatively, consistently share Jesus with people. 
So invite and bring somebody to church. Number five, finally, my words can change eternity, my eternity, when I use them to say yes or no to Jesus. Now, I know it sounds really simple, but the most important words that you will ever speak, the words when spoken will bring the greatest impact on your eternity are the words that you speak when you respond to Jesus. Either yes or no. Because when you say yes to Jesus, it secures your eternity. You become adopted into the family of God. You, you're his child. It secures your eternity for, for forever. You, it brings value and meaning and purpose to your life right here and right now. Now, when you say no to Jesus, it means you're going to be separated from him now and in eternity basically you know what God does he gives you what you wanted here on this earth you wanted nothing to do with Jesus you wanted you said no to him all your life all the opportunities all the times he was trying to draw you to himself or reach out to you you kept saying no you kept saying no well you know what he says okay you get that for all eternity so how do you say yes what does it mean to say yes to Jesus? Well, Romans 10, 9, I think, says it really well. It says, for if you confess with your mouth, again, what, your, your words, your speech, if you speak that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Underline that little phrase. Highlight it, star it, confess with your mouth. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. To say with your words that, that Jesus is Lord, that you believe in your heart that God did raise him from the dead, that he did die on the cross just for you so that your sins could be taken away and that you could have eternal life forever. Th those are the most important words that you could ever say. Yes, yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, you are the Lord. Yes, I will follow you. Whatever you believe about Jesus, he demands a decision. You know, it's either yes or no. Either you believe he is who he said he was, the son of God come to take away our sin so that we can have a relationship with him, or you don't. And the answer is no. So, the question I want to leave with everybody today is, have you said yes? Have you said yes to him? Have you spoken those words? Because sure, everybody in this room, everybody, again, we all need to be a little bit more careful and a little bit more intentional with our words. They do matter. But in the end, everything that you see, everything that you touch and hear and smell, and feel, it's all gonna be gone. It's all gonna pass away. And really, there's only one thing that lasts forever. And that's the words of Jesus, the eternal words of God, the eternal words of Jesus and his followers. Look at Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth are all gonna disappear. But my words will remain forever. Have you said yes? You could do it today. 
you can walk out of here today with the assurance of your salvation, knowing that you've become a child of God. Again, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, Thanks for listening.